0: Doesn't a very horrible Robin Williams impression. I'm Nick Nitro and welcome out to episode 317 of The Good, The Bad, and Geeky. Before we get to our very, more than likely, spoiler-filled thoughts on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Again, I repeat, it's me. I'm probably going to spoil the fucking shit out of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So with that in mind, please remember that I'm going to spoil it. I I don't know how else to say it. I will spoil it. If someone dies, I will tell you about it. If someone lives, I will tell you about it. If it leads right into... I I mean, I just... I don't know. I just want to let you know that I will spoil it because I want to talk about it. I'm going to talk, 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 talk. I can... You can listen. I can talk. You can listen. I can talk. And I'll talk, 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 talk. Listen, listen, listen. (sighs) Sorry about the music, man. But I digress. Like I do. Okay. With that being said... Some things I just want to throw out there to you guys. Please check out our wonderful uh, friends of the podcast and, in some cases, sponsors, PackRatComics.com. You can go to PackRatComics.com for their uh, information, for their uh, Facebook page, where there are tons of great videos. And they have it on their Instagram page, too, but Facebook, for me, in, in my opinion, is where their stuff is really at. But if you want to follow them on Instagram, they do eventually make those videos on their way. But my favorite, as I always say, it, and I do mean it, My favorite is the Wednesday New Comic Book Day videos. And uh, I think they're still keeping this offer open as well, which is if you, yes, you want to do a video. Are you creative? Are you in the Columbus, Ohio area? Or maybe you don't, but you like comic books and you are creative and you want to shoot like a short video for New Comic Book Day for Pack Rat Comics, go ahead and email them and see what deets you might need to get to do that. Because, and... They're also doing a thing called What's Your Story. If you go to packratcomics.com that you can get more information, but you could win a gift certificate if you tell them what's your story? How did you get into comic books? It's it's pretty rad. So again, packratcomics.com. Now, these guys throw us a little green our way. Mm-hmm. A little muda, if you know what I'm saying, a little greenbacks. If you go ahead and sign up, that is audibletrial.com forward slash good geeky. Now, Audible does audiobooks. Now, for those who listen to this podcast, know that podcasts and audiobooks are kind of the same thing, but one is just it's the dramatic reading of a book and the podcast, but they're the same kind of thing. It's almost like listening to a radio program of a book. It's pretty freaking rad, guys. I love it. I, 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 I have finished uh, and completed Girl on the Train. It was really good, and now I think I can see the movie. So, uh, I'm really excited. But you know how I did that? Because I have a membership with Audible. So, if you want a, a sneak preview of what it is, it's a 30 day trial, audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky. Not only do you get a free audiobook out of the whole thing for the 13, or not 13, sorry, for the 30 day free trial, you also get an awesome audiobook. And you know what? Say you don't want to keep the, the subscription going. Say, so you know what? It's like, it's just, it's not enough. It's too much for you right now, but you want to go down later. Go down the line later and subscribe to it. That's okay. You know why? Because you get to keep the audiobook. It's all yours. Any platform you want, you can move it around. It's like it's it's yours. That's pretty darn sweet. Okay. Finally, check out Rocky and Boinkle. Our Rocky and Boinkle podcast. It's um, I love this show. I love writing for it. I love doing it, and I love my cast. They are they go above and beyond. So, uh, you know what? Support them by going to gbgpodcast.com, listening to episodes there, or going to gbgpresentspod.com, dot com, and you'll get all the info there. Or Google us Gbg Bullwinkle. boom. All right, now these next two kind of go hand in hand together, but it's very important throughout there. I did it last episode, and I didn't have the, I didn't have anything in front of me, and uh, I'm, I'm a dork, okay. So, but now I've switched that. My phone was away from where I was recording it. I actually didn't, I had the mobile set up in D4K series. I didn't have, I wasn't at my computer on the board. So being that I am now, (laughs) that's right. Check out Mad Lab. Go to madlab.net for more information on how you can get more information on upcoming shows at Mad Lab, which is a great part of the uh, Columbus, Ohio creative community. Um, they're very great to our next friend of the podcast, but you can check them out. Some of the shows. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to see it before it ends. Actually, by the time this post, I've already seen it, and um, and that is the star, and it looks awesome, guys. And uh, and you, they have other shows just like this one, and the new Rudolph, uh, the Red nosed Reindeer, which is a classic retelling of the of the Bass Rankin. Uh, With the Mad Lab uh, cast and crew, it's going to be great. Um, Jimmy's in it. Jerome Wetzel, he's going to be in it. So is Keith from It's All Been Done Radio Hour and Woosley. Uh, He's in it as well. Uh, He plays Hermie. I'm really looking forward to it, you guys. Um, And they have improv there and all types of stuff. And here's the other thing, too, about the Rudolph. Just throw it out there. It supports the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. So that in itself is pretty freaking rad. So for more information, go to madlab.net. Booyakasha. For those listening last episode, I'm sorry I didn't have that information. It was just one of those like, oh, hey, you know what? I should plug Mad Lab because they are awesome and they are amazing. And uh, matter of fact, they kind of are uh, because by default the new home of GBG Live, um, the permanent home of GBG Live, at least until it's all been done. Uh, uh, I digress. Uh, but speaking of it's all been done, it's all been done Radio Hour. That's where they have their show at Mad Lab. Boo, yeah. And January, it's going to be a longer show. I think it's $7 per ticket. And it's going to be a blast. And I'm writing for It's All Been Done Radio Hour. Uh, I have a, a show coming up in March. I've written almost a, a good chunk of the episode. Find out what it is by coming to the live show. For more information, go to It's All Been Done Radio com, um, Or uh, you can call and get tickets from Mad Lab for the show in advance. Uh, for more information, though, about everything I've just told you about, it's All Been Done Radio Now, it's all been done radio or it's all been done radio hour is actually the flagship, the mothership, if you will, of It's All Been Done Presents. They have a lot of great things like stories, uh, written and audio based, uh, Dirty Story Night. They also have uh, written stories. GOD is my BFF. I think the season three just ended, so check that out. And they have other things on there as well. I think we have another sub stories premiering in January. We have today's the day. We have the good, the bad, and the geeky. We have uh, Oscars are my Super Bowl and and uh, much more. So go ahead and check them out iabd presents dot com. All right. So enough of that. Now for this episode. Now. Uh, let- the good, the bad, and the geeky. I do want to just say uh, we're going to talk about some thoughts on uh, before we really get into Star Wars, which we'll have again. I I want to stress this, people. We will have spoiler talk. Okay. Um, the trailers in the last week or two for Spider-Man: Homecoming and Guardians of the Galaxy Two came out, and uh, I was reminded uh, someone posted on there uh, on a, on a Facebook friends page, like, "What do you?" What do you think? Are you more excited for Guardians or or Volume Two or Spider Man Homecoming? And um, and the general consensus so far is is that Guardians two Guardians Volume Two is really what everyone's really super excited about. Uh, I'm and my response though on Spider Man is and I just want to talk about this because it's very important. So for those who haven't seen the trailer though, before I get to the Spider Man comments, the the Guardians trailer, a good bulk of it besides just really quick typical action shots, not really giving us the plot of the movie, but there's a sequence where there's a battle going on and baby Groot and rocket, uh, rocket is teaching baby Groot about a bomb and it is the most um, hilariously adorable sequence you've ever seen. Um, it's up there and it's, it hits all the right notes. It is fantastic. It is great. And, um, I to the point where I still watch it every other day or so. I pull it up on my phone or I pull it up on my on my Mac or my wife's uh, laptop. I just I just watch it. I watch it. I uh, pull it up on YouTube on my Roku. I I just love that trailer. Now, with that being said, the Spider Man trailer, you know, cause see for me Rockin' and Groot were the heart and soul of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and that they're what I'm looking forward to the most. Like I love the whole group, but they're to me are, they stand out to me. And um, Spider-Man: Homecoming, though we've had a lot of Spider-Man films, we've had we had a reboot already, for God's sake. But um, and I and I still and I would love to, you know what? Uh, if you're listening out there, Oscars are my Super Bowl. Let's talk Spider-Man. I will. I want to do a Spider-Man episode with you. Um, I think that would be fantastic. So because Spider-Man two to me is still from start to finish. It, it, it is a good example of a, of a superhero film that kind of breaks what you're expecting from it. And again, you have to consider the, the first one and other films to, at the point too. So like, uh, but let me put it this way. If Captain America, if there was a dance sequence in Captain America, that would be weird to me. Um, and But they made it kind of work or, or a musical sequence that, like how they did in Spider-Man 2 is an example of something that just worked in. And again, at the end of the day, for any faults that the entire Raimi Spider-Man films have, Spider-Man 2, like, it's rooted in the heart of Peter Parker. And it's it's about Peter. Like, Spider-Man is in there, but as Spider-Man, he's not in there much. Now, um, with that said, as I said, there are Raimi Spider-Films have problems. Um, and some of it's just creative choices they made. Uh, and that was martyr or made it more difficult, uh, at least I'm making the assumption on a studio executive uh, decision to allow them to, to continue with, such as um, the first film opens up with narration. Now, for those who read Spider-Man comic books know that, or even the cartoon show, Spidey narrates all the time. He talks to himself um, or the, the workaround of narration is he talks to himself out loud and, he's, and also he quips and, and does little quotes and, and all that stuff. But, when you open the film up with narration, then you have this problem of, well, it's hard to tell probably when, when our Spider-Man is talking or is he talked to himself. You know, as I'm saying, you have to make a decision. So do you have him narrate at the opening, which does kind of set the, the tone for what you're about ready to watch? Which, I mean, at the end of the day, is still, uh, it's still is it the best superhero movie, the set of superhero movies ever, the original Raimi Spider-Man films? No, but... It set it set the bar high, and then the Marvel films, Marvel the Marvel films said it here key but no, they did. You know, at that point, superhero films were not great. It was like video game movies. You know, that's what you're expecting. And X Men and Spider Man raised the the bar, and then Spider Man Two raised the bar even higher. And um, but they have a lot of problems in those movies. And you know, for, say what you will, but. Peter Parker is a nerd. He's a dork. And they kind of played up more at Tobey Maguire as the classical fifties nerd version of Peter, even though I know Spider-Man came out in the sixties, but just, but he had the mentality of a nerd from the fifties, what you expect, you know, pocket protector and all that. And, and Toby Maguire does kind of im, Im, Im imbibe that, you know, Im, imbibed. I think I'm saying that right. But he, 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 in, he encases that at the core of his being, I mean, that's why Pleasantville, for example, he's perfect for that movie. He's, Good in roles like that, and in, in roles which I mean, he's he's good in roles where he plays characters um, that seem to be based in the past. I'm not, and that doesn't mean that he's not a very current guy. But and um, with other roles, I've seen other roles where it takes place in the present. and He's phenomenal. Like uh, the Ice Storm is one of those really good movie. Uh, uh, Wonder Boys as well. But he he's he has the uh, he imbues an old soul mentality. And that's what you get with Peter Parker. And in the, the Raimi Spider-Man films, they capture Peter Parker perfectly. In Spider-Man, they had to make a decision, which is we can't have him quipping and quoing too much. Because for Spider-Man, that's part of his weapon, if you will. It's a shield because, like, when you're a nerd – I was a nerd in high school to the point where I was, like, a popular nerd. But there are times where, you know – and not only that I was the fat one I was a fat musical nerd, right I didn't do sports, well, I liked basketball, but still they, no one would ever put me on a basketball team unless it was like the local uh youth athletic athletics association kind of one but um which we did really good at by the way. I think my team won like i think two years in a row or something, but anyway uh the idea behind it though is that uh peter uh that Toby Maguire played as was really kind of based in that, you know what I mean? Like that mentality of, uh, and that to me is what Peter Parker is, which is I want to be the guy that, I want to be like the jock who can just be kind of, you know, sarcastic all the time and just be rude to other people, just verbally. Um, But the difference is that he takes the great power, great responsibility thing and uses it for good. So he, and he uses that against the, the villains, I mean. He doesn't do it against innocent bystanders. But, like, I remember uh, Bendis did it best. Uh, he encapsulated, I think, a more a bunch of issues of the original Amazing Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man, where um, he got the Kingpin so frustrated because he was doing you're so fat jokes. Um, and so not only is it because everyone who knows friends, Chandler does his little jokes as a defense mechanism, like, like all nerds do. They have a little defense mechanism. Some of them are a little different, but usually it's that self-deprecating manner, and Spider-Man has that. Uh, but but it, or Peter has that. But he's again he's more book. Shy. He's very very shy, very book smart and, and and head smart. And but he's not confident when he puts the mask on. Confidence just grows. And Toby Maguire uh, that was lacking the Toby Maguire version um, a little bit. Um, and, and the way that the Raimi films work, it builds up over that to Spider Man three, which then just loses all good goodwill and faith adorned from there. But The the newer films, the Amazing Spider Man films, it's the opposite problem. Spider Man is exactly how you inspired him. See him being, but then when he takes off the mask, he's kind of mopey, like he's like Tobey Maguire Spider Man Three Peter Parker, which that's not a good Peter Parker really to have, Um, and uh, it's depressing. So when Tom Holland shows up in uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, he does steal the show. He's the bone of the best parts of the movie. And he builds on that emotional level that's already there when you're rooting for Captain or or, or Tony. You're Steve or Tony, you know. But um, I remember I watched the trailer for Spider Man Homecoming. And I think, and again, I think it's just because of all the other Spider Man films that's, that's come before in a very short time period. I was very trepidatious and just kind of sitting on the edge of my seat and just going, that looks cool. That looks cool. Oh, an international trailer. Let me watch that. That looks cool. I'm excited. But if you, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is like, oh my God, that is so cool. I love this part. I love this part. The Spider-Man was is like, that's kind of neat, but it's very, you know, I'm hesitant to, to just be super excited about Spider-Man Homecoming, even though I am. It's, it's kind of like, it's funny ho-ho or funny ha-ha, right? And right now, um, if it was a comedy album or show or whatever, Spider-Man Homecoming is funny ho-ho. And, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is funny. Ha ha. Um, so, but with that said, I, I am excited for both films, but right now guardians does have my level amped up a little bit more than Spider-Man right now. It's just almost like, please Marvel. Don't fuck it up. You have Spider-Man back at for however long you can have him for, you know, please don't, please don't fuck this up. Right. You know, that's what it feels like. So and I think that's the other, tra- uh, uh, part of me that feels like a little nervous and I don't think I'm saying, uh, uh, trepidatious correctly so i'm afraid to just keep using that word i'm very trepidatious about it see i don't think i'm using it right i'm gonna stop if anything there's your humor for the day nick can't say words well or sentences apparently either okay enough of that let us talk dive and go into rogue one a star wars story again starting right now there's no turning back spoilers spoiler spoiler so spoiler alert everyone dies Well, I'm kind of kidding. Kind of not. Here's where the real spoilers start now. Okay, so. Rogue One Star Wars Story takes place um, so here's where the spoiler it literally takes place, it leads right into Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. Um, And no one gets out alive uh not any, not any of our leads and you know it's probably the most brutal in terms of what they show um things are still star Wars, so it's still done you know rather um it's still done rather well in terms of how they handle the deaths, which you know it, it's it could be a little hard for those um those who are young but at the same time it's tasteful enough just like the original movies where it's not as violent as it could be especially in today's climate. <clears throat> um, but the real question is did I like the movie? And it's hard to say. Uh, you know, the movie... Like I knew going in that almost everyone was probably going to die. Um, I didn't think everyone was going to die but there's a good... You know, I. But there's a good... Possibility that, you know, this is a... uh, You know... No man out situation. And I knew that going in, but I was still... You're still in the back of your mind, hoping. Okay, they're gonna get out. They're gonna get out. But they don't. Um, You know, my favorite characters overall were... uh, Were... Baze Malbus. uh, Chirrut, played by Donnie Yang and, And Wen Jiang. I'm hoping I'm saying their names right. And of course, K. Tuso... Um, which is played by Alan Tudyk. Uh The weakest characters, surprisingly, are uh, Jen Erso and Cassian Andor, which are kind of the two leads. Um, there are times where, in the film, it feels like there's a romantic plot going on. Other times, there's not a romantic plot going on. And then when they die together, um, as the planet blows up, uh, you're, you're just kind of like, wait, hmm. There are some. I mean, like, there's moments where it's like, are they going to kiss? Because that feels very unearned, um, you know. And then they have that final moment where they just hug each other as the world ends. It, it, and some, some of it is just very beautiful imagery, very, very beautifully shot. I think the script is where the film falls short a little bit, and um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a great like mini side story that leads into episode four it really is and it's phenomenal i i really enjoyed that movie um i don't love it like i do like episode four five or six I, you know but it does add something to it and it truly shows uh how good and bad the rebellion is which i think that's another important part too is that Both sides are not as clean-cut as... We know the Empire is not. The Empire is the epitome of evil, um, just because of the figurehead, the Emperor. Um, They are literally kind of like the Nazis, you know. Um, But the rebels are also kind of doing cold, heartless stuff, too. Um, I would say, overall, the biggest problem of the film is that the characters don't feel well-developed, and it also feels like a bunch of stuff is just cut out. And... Um, whether it be from Jin or Cassian, or um, I think the the only two characters, uh, the only character that really stands out to me of having some decent semblance of 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 um, mm-hmm. well handled character development is K two so um, or K two s o just because he. You know, there is a semblance of that he wants to. F- it's very weird. So the general pl- idea is is that he, uh, played by Antalyak, which does a phenomenal job by the way, is K2SO is um, a droid that was programmed. Uh, he's an Imperial bot, was reprogrammed, and since then they uh, Cassian has given him a bit of a personality, but he doesn't trust him enough to give him a gun, and there is this kind of like bitter, backbiting sense from the robot, which of course Alan Antony plays wonderfully, that, you know, um... <laughs> that he... you know, he wants that. He It's like the final bit of fitting in and, and um... you know... and even though uh, the the final mission, which is to get the Death Star plans, does feel kind of shoehorned in, in terms of how they go there and, and do it, it's still really... Um, like when he and he's the first of, of our leads to die, it, it's really kind of oh wow man. Like I, I I started to tear up a little bit because out of all the characters, he was you know the one I felt like. I'm gonna you could say that about any comedic uh, character a character that makes you laugh. The moment they they get hurt or they start to die, it, you start going like oh no. Like you can start feeling it. And Donnie Yen's uh, Charut, I hope I'm saying that right, is uh, is kind of in the same. Wheelhouse. Um, uh, he has a. He's very. He's he's Force sensitive. He's not actually a Jedi, but he believes in the Force. He's a strong. Uh, he's almost like the altar boy that grew up and realized, oh shit, the Force, or you know, <laughs> Mother Mary save me, that kind of thing. He's and he's very faithful to that, and that's and that's really really frickin' rad. I, and um, the final uh, sequence uh, after he dies. Um, with Wen Jiang's Bayes Malbus is quite it's quite touching and quite beautiful, and you really wish that um, things could have got a little bit further. So um, let's just go through all the characters just real quick because I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over the place, and I apologize. So um, Jin Urso is is kind of our 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 ultimate lead. She's played by Felicity Jones. And, uh, she's sad and mad because her daddy left her, and she's been kind of on the run ever since, just, and uh, trying to hide out, because the Empire's kind of looking for her, too. Um, and, uh, and she kind of, uh, we'll all get to her, hopefully, if I can remember to get to her, uh, you know, but, well, no, I'll talk about it now. Her character does a complete 180, like, they do little stuff where she saves a child, um, because we know her to be good, it's just she's a thief. But we don't really get to see her in action. We don't get to really see her. No, I mean not really. The movie opens up with her dad getting, uh, her mom getting killed, and her dad deciding to work for the Empire. And then she goes into hiding. And then um, Forrest Whit- Whitaker's uh, Saul Guerrero uh, finds her. Um, for those who don't know, and I, I remember him very lightly from Clone Wars. Saul Guerrero. Uh, is a character that was introduced there. He's kind of an extremist, like even on there, if I remember correctly. He's kind of outside the box thinking, but um, yeah. But so she was raised by him and He became kind of like a you know, uh, <clears throat> like if my, minor father figure, but also like he abandoned her uh, for the cause. Um, to the point where uh, he, and he became more extreme like that, the Rebel Alliance just kind of dropped him. He's like now an officially hardcore extremist. It's like the Empire doesn't want him and the Rebellion doesn't want him. But, yeah. So there's Diego Luna, who is um, way more of a shady guy than Han Solo. And what I mean by that... And what I mean by that is uh, on a mission, he gladly accepts the mission to kill people... He's one of one of those uh, characters. You could always sit there and say, you know, oh, I don't want him to suffer, and then like, because this character's trapped. Um, It's actually his first scene in the movie. It it clearly sets up who you're dealing with, kind of thing, which is also kind of depressing too. You know what I mean? Um, Like uh, the the Empire is aware of their presence because they look suspicious, and the one guy's like, I, you know, I'm going to miss my flight. The Empire is going to they're going to they're going to torture me. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And he's like, I can't climb out of here. And the only way out of here is up. And I can't climb with my arm. What are we going to do? Um, you've killed me. And then he goes, look, I'll, I'll take care of you. Don't worry. We'll find a way out of this. And as the guy turns around, he kind of like lennings him as, uh, like, of mice and men him, I guess you would say, where he kind of just shoots him in the back, killing him. And, and granted, he puts him out of his misery, but <clears throat> it's still like, oh, jeez. Okay. Um... But they, they feel like it's time that's uh, the rebellion though even though they separate themselves from saw Gurera uh, Guerrera um, they feel like he's the key in leading uh, the, you know they need him and his men for the rebel to join the Red Bull alliance because you know they're, they're hitting the empire where it hurts but they need to be part of the overall arc or whatever um, and that's really what the movie starts off at being but um, At the same time, there is someone there who um, is uh, defecting, and he delivers a message from Mad Mickelson. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. For Galen Erso, a Jin's father, who we realize um, he was a rebel through and through. He realized that the biggest thing was is that make them think, because they really didn't need him to do the Death Star, um, to keep it moving and keep it working and getting it built 100%. But he made himself invaluable. He made himself the guy to keep it going uh, with the Empire, and to the point where he purposely built in a flaw in the Death Star, and one that is you know they'll, they'll overlook. And if this one little thing goes down, the whole place will go down with it. And um, you know that's that's pretty cool. Um, and that part again is actually kind of well. Well done and well handled, but um, just the the built up relationship between Jin and her father, and when her father dies, she just kind of realized like if that's that's the moment where she's just like, of course. And it didn't really feel earned per se. There was no real moments where you know, oh hey, cool, this is what you know, and that was kind of a bit of a bummer because she kind of does this complete one eighty and gives this really rousing speech, but I just kind of don't believe her. So when they all go into that final mission, you're like, okay. Um, and uh, Donnie Yen's character, Chirrut, uh, he is... You, by the way, if I'm saying this wrong, you're just going to have to deal with it. I know I keep saying that, but it, it bothers me if I'm not saying it right. But I'm going to have to just accept the fact that I'm probably saying it wrong, but in case I'm not, great. If I am, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, but Yan's character, he is a Force-sensitive uh, man who uh, believes in the Force. Matter of fact, he keeps repeating to himself, even like you know, I believe in the Force. The Force is strong. Uh, the Force is all around me. I believe in the Force. The Force is all. around He says something like along those lines. Um, to the point, his his friend uh, Bayes Malbus, played by Wen Jiang, is just kind of like, oh, this, he's a he's a character, you know. But there's no such thing as the Force, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, they're... And they're both kind of comic relief a little bit, but um, uh, he, uh, the big thing, too, is uh, Donnie, is, his character is blind. And so there's more than a few times where he just keeps saying, it's like, I believe in the Force, the Force yeah. is all around me. I believe in the Force, the Force is all around me. as he walks forward in massive gunfire and <clears throat> is able to turn on this switch that helps, you know, it, it's like one of the major puzzle pieces to get things going. Um, Some of the characters die pretty not great. I mean, none of them are great deaths, but um, it's just over. That's how war is sometimes, you know. Um, I kind of wish that we had more time with some of the characters. Uh, The introduction for Jin was not as, um, I'm not going to lie, to me it wasn't as appealing. I feel we didn't really get a sense of her, like, uh, maybe see how good she is at at doing certain things we see casting a little bit and I know things are pressed for time, but i'd rather have almost a three hour uh movie than a two and a half hour one you know what i mean i'd rather have those little moments um uh same thing with 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 uh with bayes malbus's character um when uh his French root dies in battle gets blown up um he, you know, he just says, he's like, no, don't you leave me. He's And, his, you know, Charu's response is, uh, you will always find me if you find the Force. I will, if you find the Force, I will always be there. Always, or something like that. And you're just like, hmm. I mean, because you are, I mean, again, I'm more invested in the side characters than I am in the leads. and um, And so he does his last little oh, fuck this shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking take the Empire down. Like, it, you know, it's a suicide... Like, it's even more of a suicide mission at this point. He turns around, and he gets kind of farther than you're expecting, considering there are dudes still coming at him and actually hitting him. Uh, uh... But, and he's saying the same thing that Schrute was would say. Like, the Force is all around me. I believe in the Force. The Force is all around me. I believe in the Force, or whatever like that. And, um... But still he doesn't get that much farther, which is kind of um kinda of depressing. You you just kinda of wish that some of those characters like or there was something more there to kind of set that up. Um, you know. And I guess that's the heart the heartbreaking thing. I wanted to cry at all those characters. The only character two characters I kinda of teared up for was K two SO and Sharut. Um but it was more for K two SO, uh for some reason. Um, because I think he was more comic relief so when he did go it was just like oh that's, that's heartbreaking you don't kill the comic relief guy but um, but again I knew going in this was all like they were all going to die um, or I had a good idea they were all going to die but um, yeah the, it, I I really did enjoy the movie Darth Vader is amazing Grand Marf Tarkin is amazing um, considering what they did with technology even though he's completely CGI um there is some unc- Uncanny Valley shit going on. But, you know, considering it's really awesome. Um, and you see it enough that you start to get used to it. And it doesn't bother you. It's always a little jarring when you first see him. for that, it doesn't matter. And, and Princess Leia, because it goes right into Episode 4, um, that's a little weird. Uh, because you only see that one scene of her. And you're just like, okay. Um, that looks really Uncanny Valley kind of shit, man. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a good movie. Um, again very in imp- tone of empire because again everyone dies even though it has a mildly happy ending in terms of they get the death star plans but you knew that going in so um it's really just more about how do these characters live their lives how do they die and what do they die for like what are their causes and all that and i guess that's the other thing too is that um half these bands of, of people just kind of kind of oops come together kind of thing um and there again, nothing wrong with that, but I just felt like it, w- you kind of wish there was a better reason on how they came together um per se or that it made more sense on why they decided to stay together um you know we are we get a sense that Donnie Yen's cheroo character um anywhere he goes, bayes Malva follows but and of course he's kind of he backs Jen up like you know i I believe her or whatever and but, like, what more connection is there besides, oh, hey, you have a crystal on your neck, which, you know, which is... Those crystals power lightsabers, and I'm a big Jedi Force fan, so... Hmm. But that's me trying to put the pieces together. That's not exactly 100% explicit, like, oh, that's why he kind of is... Looks after her, or, or whatever. Um, you know, because the way they meet is at... at uh, in this uh, village uh, marketplace, and even though he's blind, he's Force-sensitive enough he can sense the crystal on her. And he even says, oh, that's what—that's a crystal. It's lightsabers do. Um, people who are Force-sensitive can, can just pick up on it. And uh, so when the battle eventually breaks out, um, he comes to her aid. Um, and, and that's cool, because obviously he must be a good dude, but um, like that's 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 the connection. That's it. You know what I mean? So there's... And again, it probably feels like something got cut out. Um, you know that this film did have massive reshoots and uh, not that there's anything wrong with that because it ended up, again, it ended up being an entertaining movie. But, uh, yeah. Now, Invader, I, again, I will say, I think people blow out the, the, the last final Vader moment of the movie. It is freaking cool. It's just that when people have, I've heard online or I, in person talked it up to me, so damn much that I was expecting him to do almost like which is not a good thing by the way um, episode 1 through 3 fight scene shit which you don't really want um, I prefer within reason at least uh, some of the va- the battles to be very very smooth uh, katana blade fighting movement not um, you know like, it, like it's supposed to be heavy like it looks light and, but it's supposed to be heavy like a, like a broadsword um, I enjoy, like, that was kind of the intention. Of course, then Lucas changes. changed, and it's like, oh, they're light as a feather, and they can wing it around like a, you know, way like like ninjutsu, which, like, you are not. I'm sorry, uh, I was incorrect. I said it was like a ninja sword earlier. That's not what I meant. Um, they treat it like it's a ninja sword, but I feel like they should treat it like it's a broadsword, which is, like Excalibur kind of thing, and, um... In episodes one through three, they treated it like it was a, a katana blade, and it needs to be not treated that way. I feel like. I mean, yes, it's cool sequences and all that, but um, so when Vader you know does some shit at the end of the movie, it is pretty badass and it's truly, truly terrifying. Um, but I've heard it built up, I guess, from a little bit people and again, and, and spoiler-free reviews. Um, and it's hard to really describe here what Vader does. Like, he just takes out. He just He's kind of like a monster in a monster movie. He just keeps coming at you slowly, but surely eating away and killing all your men. It's terrifying in that regard. And it's handled wonderfully. But, um, I think I just heard so much, like, everyone will love the Vader scene at the end. He's ruthless and cold, and it's just amazingly badass what he does. And you're like, he just kills a bunch of men in a rather cool way, and that's it. Um, so please don't go in watching Star Wars Rogue One if you've gotten this far, um, Going like, oh hey, he's going. He's just like he's going to rip a ship off, or like that was kind of the vibe I was getting. Like he was just going to tear a ship apart and do all this and that, and you know, like they do in the video games and the cartoon, where it's almost it's a little more exaggerated than it should be. And um, I was just like, oh no. But um, so that was a little bit a little bit of a letdown. I let what other reviews said get to me a little bit, but um, I did enjoy the movie. I think it's worth watching, at least in IMAX 3D, um, once. Uh, I'll probably see this again because my dad, Um, he'll probably want to see the movie. But outside of that, I'm not like, you know, running out the door to go see it again. I didn't love, love it. Um, I enjoyed it. The film definitely has some problems, uh, but it's worth a $15 price tag in the theater for right now. Again, IMAX 3D only. If you're paying $15 in your area and there's no IMAX 3D, you, you know, shut the front door. Um, and you know, go for a walk instead, something. Just don't go see. pay that much for a non-3D um, IMAX version of it. But um, if it is that, please go see it, check it out. Now, what were your thoughts on it? Um, again, I enjoyed the movie a good deal. I'm, I wonder if I will enjoy it way more the second time I see it. Um, and I might talk about that Some maybe, maybe not. But let us know, goodbadgeeky at gmail.com. Or tweet me at Mm-hmm. Alright, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I believe as I'm off the top of my head, I believe next week is our Christmas show. Next Friday. Um, thank you all so much this week for being patient with me. I know I was really behind and I apologize for that. But, I took care uh you know, I hope this week you've gotten caught up. And uh, I will say the week after Christmas and the week after New Year, we are going on a break. We are officially on a break. And we will be back soon after. A matter of fact, in those two weeks, I will be off and on recording stuff. So thank you all very much for listening. And uh, until next week, I uh, hope your holidays continue to go well. Because then next week, I'll say Merry Christmas and all that. Um, all right, I'm done. Thanks for listening. Bye. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go! We're having a good time until you show up, jeepers. Uh, Go have some coffee with cream or something, because I'll tell you something. This is a happy place.